Hello. Hey, how are you? Hey, I am doing great. I finally finished up the paper I was working on last week. I have got my whole theology into 20 pages. And there, now the world can just have it. Not that anybody cares to read it somebody's theological statement. But there you have it. It's done. And I feel so much lighter now that it's done. That's awesome. I'm super excited for you and really excited for the rest of us, because if you've got it all down to 20 pages, that means we can really think of the rest of the Bible as unnecessary. So that's exciting. That was exactly my goal, right? Like, just let's make this whole process more efficient. Yep. Uh, yep. Efficiency no. is God's highest priority. <laughs> Right, which is why salvation history has lasted, you know, 3,500 years or whatever. Yes, exactly. So, exactly. how about you? Uh, I am, I'm tired. Uh, you know, sometimes church life is heavy. This has been one of the heavier weeks, and I'm just tired. I am glad that I have today off, though I have today when we're recording off, not today when you're listening to this off. But uh, yeah, I am excited to be in my weekend day because I need rest. It's been heavy enough that I haven't even slept well, and that doesn't happen often. Uh, man, I'm sorry. But I do think it would be kind of cool that, you know, if we recorded, hey, I have today off, and then every time somebody clicks listen, you just automatically gets the you get the day off. Like that would be a cool Ooh, system. Yes, yes, we're gonna have to check in and see if that's a working option. <laughs> right. Um, well, hey, well, what's on your mind? So I sent you a prayer that I came across recently. I was reading an article by. Tim Challies, who's an amazing blogger that I really appreciate, and he posted a prayer that he titled, A Prayer for Times of Controversy. And I want to talk about this prayer because I think it's stunning. Mm. Yeah. So ha have you had a chance to read this yet? I did, and I found myself lingering over certain phrases and ways that he, he put this. There was just so much great content in this prayer. I so appreciate the heart with which it was written. And yeah, I would love to talk about this. Excellent. So I am posting this on our social media. I'm posting the prayer and a link to the prayer on our social media so that other people can see it and read it and linger over it the way you were just describing. But I wanted to do something to start with that we don't often do, and that is pray together on the podcast and use this as our prayer that we can then discuss. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah, I would love to do that. You know, we do pray before every podcast, but it we don't record that portion, so this will be uh, this will be a great thing to do. Yeah, and so I I would invite you wherever you're listening uh, to let this be a moment where you enter into the presence of God with us and just begin to pray. Here's the prayer I found on Tim Chaley's website. Lord God. 
When controversies occasion division among your people, may I look first to the interest of the common good and to the exercise of charity. May I not become a passionate contender for any party or censure the peaceable. May I not overreach my understanding or try to win esteem from my orthodoxy or zeal. May I suspect my own unripe evaluation and silence my opinions until I am clear and certain. May I join the moderates and the peacemakers rather than the contenders and the dividers. For division leads to the ruin of the church, the hindrance of the gospel, and the injury to the interests of true religion. Keep me, I pray, from being misguided, from being carried away by my passion or discontent, from worldly interests, from thinking too highly of my own opinions. May my zeal be more for faith, charity, and unity than for my own opinions. Amen. Amen. So I have a million thoughts about this and a ton of questions I want to dig into, but I'm just curious as you read it and as we pray it together, what struck you as we were praying that together? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things really stand out to me. The fact that this is for the betterment of others, right? We're always looking to the interests of the common good, as Chalice says. Mm. And that we kind of suspect, I love the way he writes this, suspect my own unripe evaluation, not yes. overreach my understanding, right? Just start with the assumption that I don't know everything. Yeah, and absolutely. Suspect that my opinion is in some way faulty. Um, mm-hmm. I love starting there with let's let's look to the interests of everybody else, and let's assume as a starting point that I have some fault in my own opinion. I think that yeah. is just a brilliant way to pray. Yeah, absolutely. the The pieces that struck me this time were these two phrases. May I not try to win esteem and uh, may I look first to the exercise of charity? You know, how often am I trying to make sure I sound good? How often am I trying to make sure that I win as opposed to exercising? And I love that word. You know, when I go out and run, it wears me down because exercise is hard. It's building up muscles that aren't natural for me. May I exercise charity? And again, charity is this word that I feel the need that Charlie's had or, or whoever he stole this prayer from had to keep it charity instead of love because mm. the old idea of charity, which is different from giving somebody a handout, but it is this sort of generosity and benevolence and other people wordsness of spirit that flows naturally and voluntarily into action, which is not necessarily what we mean when we talk about love today. Right. And I think, you know, that has the 
unintended consequence of sounding very fluffy, lovey-dovey, just be kind to everybody, you know, tame Jesus idea. Mm. And I think when we pair that concept of charity in light of the fact that this is a prayer in controversial times— Controversy doesn't arise by what flavor of popcorn you're going to choose before the movie, right? <laughs> exactly. We have to have an emotional vested interest in the outcome for controversy to really rise up. If I don't, I mean, I just don't care what kind of flavor of popcorn, or maybe I do, but maybe we'll pop two bags. Like, it just doesn't matter. But I care deeply about other topics, and that's where I would start using the word controversy. And so when I've got an emotional interest here, and I have a, I'm, I'm passionate about seeing a particular outcome, and somebody else is equally passionate about seeing it from a different perspective, now we have controversy. And now, in that moment, we back up and we apply charity. Wow, now we've put that in perspective. That's not just lovey-dovey, everybody's happy all the time. That's an intentional choice to act a certain way when our emotions go a different direction. Absolutely. You know, and the, and the other piece of, you know, and this was something I wanted to ask you about, this idea of controversy is so important. We believe controversy is so central to the experience of the evangelical Christian that we have decided not to talk about controversial topics in our discussions. And so this is, for whatever reason, and part of what I want to think about is why, what's with controversy anyway? But the piece I want to add to what you were saying about what controversy is, under this question of what is controver- what's with controversy anyway, the piece I want to add is, it's not just something that I have a passionate or invested interest in an outcome, it's also something that other people have already expressed their agreement with me and other people have expressed their agreement with you. You and I might have a disagreement, but groups of people have a controversy. Mm. Which means I've already got people patting me on the back saying you are totally right and they're totally wrong, which makes it all the harder to exercise charity. Not only do I passionately not like what the other people are saying, but it is so easy to give in to the voices that are saying, you're so right. Yes. And I think that's exactly why we chose, for the purposes of this podcast, not to talk about controversial issues. Because what we did not want is for our podcast to be an impetus for everybody huddling up into their respective groups, into their respective, you know, I think the common phrase these days is echo chambers, where you all just kind of mutually reinforce the opinions that you share in common. And we want to extend beyond those echo chambers to ensure that we are engaging in a generous evangelical view that incorporates all sorts of different opinions and all sorts of different people in the common pursuit of living this life for Christ. Man, that's the thing, right? Like, well, let me back up. Is controversy always a bad thing? Do we need a different word for what controversy would be if it was done right? Or can you have a healthy controversy? 
right? Do you, do you see the question I'm asking there? I do, and I don't know. I don't know how to answer it because I don't think controversy is. Maybe, maybe it is a kind of a loaded word, but I don't think controversy disagreement. I don't think disagreement is a bad thing. You and I disagree rather frequently. In fact, we were disagreeing before we started recording over our different perceptions of an event that took place. But it was so charitable and so there's so much goodwill built up between us that we can disagree without any sort of emotional consequence. Mm. And maybe, so maybe it does need a different word. I don't know what that word would be, but I definitely think uh, how we respond to controversy is the main issue rather than whether or not controversy is the right word. Yeah, totally agree. And that's the thing, like, I have had some negative experiences with controversy in my life and in my Christian story when my experience of different Christian groups was that they were building giant walls between each other in order to say we're the right ones and they're the wrong ones and they're not saved or they're barely saved and we've got the true gospel and and I don't want to list out all of those different kinds of arguments and, and controversies that have happened, but I guess I want to ask, what could this look like? What could corporate group disagreement look like that is not, uh, and here's all the, I looked up the word controversy and here are the synonyms. We don't want to quarrel, a squabble, an altercation or a war of words or a storm. Right? Clearly, that's not what we're looking for. No. So what, and I don't just mean the word, I mean, what is the hope of what this could be? Yeah, you know, I'll borrow an analogy that you and I often use when describing being married uh, to our wives. And so I think it's the idea of being on the same team. Maybe a biblical mm. phrase might be striving together. I think there is some element of struggle in the word strive. And if we have a common Lord and Savior, a common vision, a common kinship in the body of Christ, and we are striving together toward that aim, there might be disagreement over how best to pursue that how best to align ourselves with the Word of God and with the revelation of God. And that is healthy. That is sharpening. Iron sharpens iron. We together are moving toward a common goal. We might just disagree on some of the details on getting there. And I think the way we achieve, practically speaking, the goal that Chalice is talking about is keeping in mind that one common vision, that one common aim, and letting that supersede everything else. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the the common aim is a giant piece of this. And then the other thing is, is the thing you talked about earlier, which is my character. Am I coming at this from a humble place or not? One of the things that has been fascinating to me is how subtle the 
danger of pride gets the further along I go in following Jesus. Have we talked about this on the podcast before? I have lots of thoughts that tie in right here, and I just don't want to repeat myself. I don't think so, and I think this is definitely ground worth covering, so go for it. Okay. Um, It is so easy not to lie, not to be angry in a sinful way, not to steal, right? Those are, I, I can definitively tell you whether I have stolen this week. And to be clear, the answer is I have not. But there comes a point, at least there came a point in my spiritual life where I peeled off all of those obvious sins. And what was left was not sinlessness, but instead a clear view into a deeper part of my soul where more chameleon-esque sins reside. Mm-hmm. Sins like pride, sins like jealousy. It is so easy for me, for example, I mentioned that I had a, a heavy week. It is so easy for me to default to asking myself, what do I need to say to each of the people involved in these situations in order to fix these problems? And I was really caught by this verse from Psalm 56.3 that I first heard as a probably seven or eight-year-old on a Bible story cassette tape, <laughs> right? Like, and, and the verse is, what time I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. And as I prayed through a number of these situations that I was wrestling with this week, Without meaning this in the like hyper-spiritual way, I felt like the question that the Holy Spirit or the scripture or whatever was asking me was, do you trust your ability to communicate or do you trust God? Yes. And that was a hard question. Hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the word afraid really speaks to this issue quite a bit. Because let's say you're right. Let's say in this controversy, you have done the work necessary, even the humble work necessary to arrive at the right position. God has supernaturally granted you insight and you are correct and they are wrong. Mm -hmm. Are you afraid that if you don't win the argument, they will never get the truth? Or do you trust that God is going to reveal to them, just like he revealed to you, what that truth is? Can you tolerate them being wrong for now while the Holy Spirit continues to work? Exactly. And can I tolerate not just them being wrong, but can I... Can I sit with the fact that they're in a process? You know, we joked about God's inefficiency earlier in the episode. Can I sit with God's inefficiency in informing their lives? And the answer is often no. And I know the answer is no, because 
in my quiet moments, I play over potential conversations and what I can say to make it different rather than going to God and saying, I'm just going to have to trust you here. Yeah. My response is planning a speech, not planning a prayer. Right. And it's funny because you could even take this first part of the prayer as a defense for saying something to them and trying to convince them of the truth. Because mm-hmm. that that would be in the interest of the common good. I'm acting on their betterment. Them living a lie is not okay. It's not good for them. But, you know, the old phrase, he who is convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Oh, I had never heard that. Oh, really? Yeah. Isn't that great? That's amazing. I mean, it is far better for them to work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit to truly arrive at the truth. Now, the other half of this is, you know, for the sake of argument, we have assumed that we have arrived at the truth in this argument. But I don't Mm -hmm. know that that's ever a fully safe assumption. And, you know, that's where the latter half of this prayer gets into, you know, checking ourselves and making sure that we don't overreach our own understanding or pause to suspect our own opinions. Yeah. Uh, May I silence my opinions, right? Like, and I appreciate it. It's may I silence my opinions until I am clear and certain. The image I get when I think about clarity, if I put a bunch of seawater in a jar and just let it sit, eventually all the silt settles down to the ground and you actually end up with clear water. In controversial moments, I am shaken up in a way that all the silt in my life is flying through the water. Mm. And I am not clear because all of my own reactivity is causing the light to bounce through me at odd and crazy angles rather than being able to shine through me directly. And I just need to take the time to settle down before I speak so that I can speak with clarity, Hmm. not just clear words, but a clear self. Yeah, that is so good. A a clear self, a settled self that Hmm. does not respond out of emotional reactivity, but just a, a settled state of God's work in your life. Boy, that is, that's good. Yeah. So, you know, we haven't actually talked directly about this, but where is Jesus in this moment? Like when controversy happens, where is Jesus? Yeah. I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Jesus is at the head. He is over all. He is our focal point. Mm. We should be striving after him together. And I think he is he is on his throne watching us and watching this situation and calling us to him. That's all he wants. And that may or may not mean that this controversy, this disagreement 
is settled between two of his people in this moment. I think that is entirely secondary to whether or not we are ascribing worship to him and living our lives like him. You know, the thing that struck me there, you started off by saying, I'm going to go back to what I said before, but you added a piece or I heard it differently. I don't know which one. When you were first talking about it, you talked about sort of being on the same mission together. And that has a very concept driven feel to me. Our mission is to reach the lost. Our mission is to build the church. Our mission is to get people say whatever. It's a thing. This time when you described it, it really was about eyes on Jesus at the head of the march. And it was far more relational. Mm. And again, I don't, I don't know that you meant that distinction, but it brought me to a different way of thinking the second time. That is, I think, a, more, a better place for me to be because when I'm being relational with Jesus, when my eyes are on my king who was crucified for me, and I know that I am loved by him, first of all, I can settle on a whole different level. Like, I can settle down, I can be still on a whole different level. If I walk into a conversation with the love of God, genuinely implanted in my soul, there is something quieting and calming and deeply human about the thing that unites us being relational rather than conceptual. Yes. And I think there is something to be said about the way that that builds relationship among people, right? If Mm -hmm. all of us are pursuing that sort of relational connection with God, and we're doing so as a community, and we're building up trust and experiences and encouragement and excitement with one another. When these moments of controversy come, and this is so true for for the dynamic between you and me, we have built up, like I said before, so much goodwill. And we're, we're so certain of one another's ultimate affection for one another, but bigger than that, uh, just so certain of one another's intention to pursue Christ honestly, that controversy just doesn't even feel very controversial. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of tension there simply because we're keeping first things first and like, okay, so we disagree on that. Like, who cares? I just feel like that will be the tendency among those who have pursued Christ together. Hmm. Yeah, the phrase that I'm reminded of as you were just describing that in our friendship is unconditional positive regard, Mm -hmm. right? Like I asked you a complicated question before we started recording today about which I have a very strong opinion and you responded with literally the opposite opinion. (laughs) Yes. And I was mildly surprised with myself to note that I'm like, yeah, that's okay. Hmm. That, that unconditional positive regard, you know, maybe this is a little cyclical. If I can start with humility and come to a conversation with you 
in which we can have a dis- an honest disagreement that may inspire greater humility in me, which then allows me to have greater unconditional positive regard. Theoretically, that's an absolute phrase, so it can't be greater, but you know what I mean. Sure. It may be a, a, a cyclically building sort of thing. I totally think it is, because that's how relationships work, right? You build trust over time. You build up these experiences over time. So that's how our relationship with God works. That's how living in community with his fellow followers works. We just, it builds over time. It is cyclical. And we have to keep coming back to this prayer to start with humility and to build relationships from there. Yeah, exactly. And that's, as we think about this kind of spiral upwards, I think it comes down to also this wonderful idea that is newer to me that you've mentioned, the idea of window of tolerance, right? Isn't it, didn't you, aren't you the person who shared that idea with me? Yeah, it came from Andy Kolber's book, Try Softer, um, and through a number of other psychologists as well, but yes. Right. I was going to say, this is a concept that has a lot of backing to it, but in a relationship, you want to be participating in a level of disagreement or controversy that you can handle that maybe helps you grow, but that is within your window of tolerance. I could very conceivably envision controversy getting out of hand when it exceeds the window of tolerance. Mm, That is such a good insight because that to me says, if I am worked up over a controversy, if this thing has really passionately, you know, just fired me up, that, might say more about my need for growth, my need to expand my window of tolerance than it says about the other person. Absolutely. And how do I expand my window of tolerance? By shutting up and doing nothing. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Because so often in those moments, what I am trying to do by expressing an opinion by dealing with the other person, by fixing the other person, I'm really, if I had the self-awareness to know it in the moment, I am just trying to make the bad feelings go away. Mm. And it really is all about me and not about them, which is why, by the way, it is not in the interest of the common good, even if I lie and say it is. And I may be lying to myself first. Yeah. Man, that's so good. Yeah, that I mean brings me right back to his prayer. Suspect my own unripe evaluation and silence mm. my opinions until I am clear. And here I'm picturing your image of the silt coming and settling until I am clear and certain. That is a calm, settled, definitive state that is mm. not the same as a fiery response. Exactly. And that rings true to me of maturity in the Christian life. If we call maturity people who demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, until I am clear and certain, involves love and joy. Imagine what would happen to controversy if I didn't say a word until I could experience joy again. If I didn't say a word until I could experience peace as a reigning reality in my life, because that's what matters, not my opinion. 
If I was intentionally growing patience in my life by not speaking. Yes. It makes me realize that there, even if I am right and they are wrong, there are bigger truths that matter more, such mm-hmm. as the fruit of the Spirit taking root in my life. Amen. I will mm. happily be a joyful, kind, loving, patient person who everybody else thinks is wrong. <laughs> yes. Shoot, I'll be a lo- joyful, loving, kind, patient person who is wrong. Yeah. I, I, I'd just be okay with that. Rather than an unloving, unjoyful, un- impatient, unkind person who is right. If those are my options, which hopefully they are not. Sure, right? I think that's a great or vision. Wrong. Well, I want to turn the conversation to the audience and say thank you so much for following us. Thank you so much for listening. We love to hear from you. We want to broaden this conversation. We want to put a bunch of seats around the table and, you know, occasionally disagree, but all pursue Christ together in humility. So if you would like to participate in that type of a conversation, come join us on Facebook, on Instagram. We'd love to hear your comments on this topic or any of our other episodes. And honestly, we would love to start other conversations. So if you want to take this episode, share it with a friend and explore Tim Challies' prayer together, that would be amazing. So you can uh, just search for On the Phone with Josh on Facebook, on Instagram. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Absolutely. And Tim, if you are listening to this, uh, we just want to take a moment and apologize for all of the different ways we said your last name. Uh, <laughs> I am genuinely sorry. We actually looked up how to pronounce it multiple times before we started talking about you. Uh, so hopefully we did okay. But my last name is Kinsevich. Nobody has ever said it right in my entire life. So I, I empathize and I am sorry. Yes. So if all of our listeners want to send Josh a canned sandwich, uh, yes, that would be... <laughs> but great. Which, if you ever come to our house, by the way, is what our Wi-Fi is called. <laughs> Would you like to tell us your social security number, your bank account password? That's not the password for our Wi-Fi. That's just what the Wi-Fi is called. <laughs> All right. Well, beyond the controversial or a prayer over controversy, I'd love to know, Josh from Missouri, Mr. Canned Sandwich, uh, what have you been thinking about? All right. I warned you I might go here and I'm going here. Uh, my thought this week is from my my daughter. She asked if I had successfully managed in the 20,000 pages a year that you read, if I had successfully managed to make at least a couple of hundred of those pages a Brandon Sanderson book yet. And uh. I, with tears in my eyes... And shame in my spirit was forced to say no. And I am just going to put out an appeal to change this unfortunate reality. Oh, boy, you're really laying it on thick. Uh, Okay, well, maybe I'll have to make a bargain with you because I've been trying to do some convincing of my own. And so you name the Brandon Sanderson book and I will read it. If you will listen to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. 
This seems like a fair deal to me. Here's my one question. There is a limited number of hours in the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast, right? Like it's it's like 10 episodes or something, right? It's not like Correct. 200 episodes. Correct. Yeah, it starts and it has an end and it's like there's a definitive end. All right, fair enough. I will listen to that podcast and then I will come back to you and the the, the book that I want you to listen to or read is Tress of the Emerald Sea. It is the best introduction to Sanderson's work that there is. And so, and it just came out. I actually don't even have my print copy yet. I've listened to it on audio. But uh, yes, I will listen to Rise and Fall of Mars Hill if that's what it takes to get you to listen to Tress of the Emerald Sea. But (laughs) what have you been thinking about since you're probably not thinking about Brandon Sanderson? You are right. You are right. I am not thinking about Brandon Sanderson, but maybe someday I will. Yeah. So this week, I think I've mentioned on the podcast that I did not have a Sabbath routine until I started in seminary. And it wasn't really for a fully spiritual reason that I decided to start observing a Sabbath rest. But it was really just looking at my workload, knowing that I had a wife, three teenagers, a full-time job, and now I was going to go to school full-time. I needed a break somewhere. And lo and behold, scripture told me where to put it. And so I started doing a Sabbath routine. Well, Mm. all through seminary, I have been probably about 95% faithful to that practice. And I count that a win. But this last week... I was working on my paper as I talked to you, as I told you, and it took me way longer than I ever dreamed it would. And I was literally panicking that I wasn't going to meet my deadlines for this paper and for my other work and other things that I'm committed to. And fitting it all in was just so stressful. And I looked at Shelly and I said, I might have to write this paper on Sunday. I don't want to. That's not what I like to do, but I don't know where I'm going to find the extra time. And then I read, I was reading for school and the, the chapters of this book were talking about the importance of Sabbath rest and man, it just like hammered that no way you cannot be giving up the Sabbath to write a paper. So I did, I, Mm. I turned my course around and I decided no matter what the consequences, I was going to observe a Sabbath rest and I took all of Sunday off. It was such a good day of refreshment, and I desperately needed it, both in my relationship with God and just in my own personal well-being. I'm so thankful that I did. Uh, It required that later in the week, I took some vacation from work just to finish the paper. But by God's grace, it is done. I'm going to meet all my deadlines, and Sabbath is still worth it, even if I didn't. So that was my thought. Yes, that's so good. I I, Sabbath is even worth it if I didn't. I love that. Part of embracing our limitations is letting it be okay if everything doesn't get done, if I do fail, if I am not perfect, if the ideal outcome doesn't occur, right? You know, going back to the thing I was saying before about trust and my complete and utter inability to do so. (laughs) But that's good. 
Yeah. And that's great. Well, I think that brings us to our Witch Josh question for the week. And this week's is which Josh took his wife out for their first Valentine's Day celebration ever this year? Mm. And the answer is me. Yeah. We have been married for 21 years. We dated for four-ish years before that. And in all of that time, upon reflection, I had never taken my wife or girlfriend out for a Valentine's Day. And I figured it is time for me to acknowledge that I am not awesome at celebrating or special events or days and to try to grow in that area. And so I wanted to take my wife out. So we went out for Indian food and had an amazing night. And it was delightful. That's great. I am still in active rebellion against Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, however, uh, yeah, it also happens to be Shelley's birthday. So we celebrate her birthday, but we intentionally never go out to dinner on Valentine's Day because it's so congested and the menus are confined and there's so many different variables. It's like, we'll go out for breakfast or lunch or we'll take a different day, but I ho- I'm glad you guys enjoyed your dinner out, though. We had a great time and uh, did not feel as cramped or squashed or overwhelmed as I thought we were going to. And the prices were the same. So that was all great. Wonderful. Well, all right. This was another great episode, a great conversation. Uh, I can't wait for next week. Are, are we on for next week? Absolutely. I can't wait. We'll talk then. All right. Talk to you then. What? All right. Bye. Bye.